Kia ora everybody. Welcome to the Strengths Well. Uh, this episode coming to you live from Wellington. We are together with some incredible coaches at Weave. Let's hear from the coaches here at Weave. Nice. That's the most excited you've been the whole weekend. All right, cool. We are, uh, as I say, we're live, and this is something new that we haven't done before, Josh. Um, the theme for Weave has been the heart and art of coaching. Uh, and we have had some uh, incredible insight coming from uh, the guests we've had and from uh, the people here who have contributed. I just want to read this as a way of, of, of framing the heart and the art, and then we're going to dig into uh, hear a little bit more from Josh. And then uh, these guys here at Weave have uh, prepared something to share with us around uh, particular themes, which we do a lot on this podcast. And so uh, we'll tell you a little bit more about that when we get to it. Cool. So let me read this to you. Over the years, one of the things that has shaped the way we do things as a community is our understanding that in order to be effective, we need to know the heart and the art of strengths coaching. So what is the heart and the art? Heart is the deep care we have for every human being and the choice to focus on the potential for greatness in each person. With the heart at the center of our coaching, people are empowered and inspired to be who they were made to be. Art is the deep care in developing our coaching craft. It is when we utilize our experience, understanding, and the key elements of strengths coaching to help our clients find ways to apply their greatest talents productively within their roles and relationships. With that as a little bit of a frame for the theme, Josh, I'm just really keen to hear some of your thoughts here around the heart and the art of coaching. Uh, let's start with what is the heart of coaching? Okay. I guess in a nutshell how I would describe this is that as coaches, how we display the heart of coaching is by helping grow a positive disposition towards oneself and towards others. Uh, I remember when I was five, I was um, tested for what maths class I was going to be in. Okay? And there were three maths classes you could be in. Okay? There was the... Um, there was the blue maths group. They were like the best maths group. Okay, they were the ice kings and queens of maths. You know, then there was the red maths group. Now they weren't as good as the blue maths group, but they were on fire. You know, they had things going on. And then there was my maths group, um, the brown maths group, which was the uh, you are showing some potential with your maths. Uh, now, I remember uh, as a five-year-old thinking, ah, oh, you're not really very smart. Um, okay. Um, I ended up forming this, I guess, this dumb belief about myself. I mean, I'm, I'm the youngest of three kids. We've got any youngest here? Youngest people? Okay, cool. Now, what's happening now is everyone else in the room is going, okay, cool. Now we understand these yeah, people. That makes sense. Yeah. You know, everything was handed out to you on a platter, you know. The way I see it is I was neglected, okay? It's classic youngest, right? Um, it's the type of thing where my parents had already raised two rat bag children, and they're like, we're exhausted. We're going to let school teach you, right? Okay, so for me, when I got to school, I, all of these things were quite new. But for me, that really affected my sense of, do I have anything to contribute? However, when I was 10 years old, 
I had a thought into my mind that terrified me. And that was, okay, you're 10. You're getting pretty old now. You still haven't started your first band. What the heck are you doing with your life? Okay, so what did I do with that? I, I felt this absolute urge to, to go home and I wrote a song. Um, I went to school the next day and I found two people in my class that I thought would be perfect. Like one, This guy, I think I could teach him the drums. This guy, I think I could teach him the bass. And we started a band. We were called Frantic. And, um, and we practiced in my garage and I went to, the, to my teacher and I said, we've got a band, we need to play, right? Organized the concert to play in front of the assembly. Um, I organized the PA to come into the school. We played, it went well. I signed autographs afterwards, <laughs> right? Yet at the same time, I was going, I grew up in Ohopi Beach, right? Went to a school of 120 kids. So I was going, yeah, but there are eight-year-olds around New Zealand right now that have already had their band going two years. I'm behind. You know, so even even though the, uh, people might hear that and go, that's really quite strange. That's a bit different. For me, it was normal. I I, I don't know if you've ever noticed this about yourself, but you've never not been in your own head, and you've never not been in the same room as yourself. And so when you're kind of contributing some of your themes, they're often very unprofound to you. But when I started my music school, I built built up to 120 students. I was looking for the kid that wanted to start their start their band at 10 and what am I doing with my life and I didn't find them you know and when I look at my personal top five themes ideation activator strategic communication individualization I mean I had an idea I had this urge I had to start it I could see how this was going to work and just trust me it's going to work I had this ability to get up and communicate in a way where it would survive in people's minds and also had the ability to choose the right people to be in the band with me right and so even looking back in that rear vision mirror, I could see that these were weaving into my story. When I think about, as coaches, how we increase this positive disposition towards oneself, why I think that this is really important is because from a brain point of view, how we move from the limbic system, which is you know all of our emotional brain, into our prefrontal cortex, which the way to define the difference between like when we're in the prefrontal cortex or not, is what we do in the prefrontal cortex is everything that you can do that your dog can't do, okay? So that's how we kind of define the difference. What actually causes us to enter into that prefrontal cortex, which is truly human, is when we have a positive disposition towards ourselves. you know? So you can learn a lot about uh, whether someone's going to be successful by the age of 32 by asking them questions like, what do you think about your ability to learn? You know, there could be a kid that can count to 100 or a kid that can count to 20. The kid that counts, counts to 100, you could ask them and they go, oh, I'm not very, very good. Whereas a kid that get, can count to 20 might go, yeah, I'm a good learner and if I need help, I'm going to go ask mom and she'll help me. You know, what the research would show is that the kid with the positive disposition towards themselves is going to really exceed, like, exceed expectations, okay? And so when we are actually shining a light and illuminating these themes that are really important to people, I see that this really matters. Because the thing is this, is that we are not, we are not machines. I, I work quite a bit in the corporate world, and the corporate world loves to use machine language. 
We're going to drive results. You know, we need to fix this thing. And we talk in machine language, but we're not, we are not machines. We, we are living systems, right? And so if I was to get my phone and video us all right now, and we came back to this video in 30 years' time, well, what that would do is just show us the video of what I just captured. However, if we recall this thought 30 years from now, we're going to think about how did that make me feel, you know? The thing is this, is that as human beings, we do not perceive the world we're seeing like a, like a camera does. We see the world that we're perceiving, right? And so essentially, we are telling ourselves a story about our experience right now. And so as coaches, we actually get to play a part in influencing that story and how people are explaining themselves to themselves. And that's really, really important. Um, and when you, when you listen to people that are living systems experts, the way that they say that we grow living systems is with what they call love. And the way they define love is that love is treating and seeing an other as a legitimate other. So we strengthen that which we legitimize, right? And so we are constantly in the business of legitimizing these things. And when we legitimize it, it becomes a little bit like when you go to buy a new car and all of a sudden you start seeing your car everywhere on the road. It's all of a sudden they're everywhere. And they were, as we talk about, hidden in plain sight. So for me, when I think of the heart of coaching, I think about having this influence on, on the way people are explaining themselves to themselves. But then also when I'm working in teams, it's actually around legitimizing uh, ourselves to one another and also understanding, oh my gosh, this is, this is who you are. And, and, and the thing is this, is that as we do that, we strengthen our sense of being in not only a living system as a person, but in the living system as in the teams that we work in. So um, that would be my answer to that. Amazing. This, this shift in a positive disposition towards self that you are experiencing as a coach, when that happens in coaching for you, um, what is going on? Is it you have asked particular questions? Is it that you have ground out a, a, a process and got to a, a certain point? How do you know when... Uh, this is happening in your coaching, that someone's disposition towards themselves has shifted and increased in temperature and, and become warmer. I guess this is now, for me, moving into that question of like, what is the art, right? Um, I guess, let me start with maybe a bit of a metaphor. If, if, if you were to imagine, say, your five themes being, um, I guess, food on a plate, you know, you've gone out for a meal and you're having this main course, and there's five different things on that dish. You know, for me, it could be some steak, and that could might be my strategic, or mashed potatoes, or whatever. The thing is, is that for me, when I'm in my coaching, uh, the way that I seek to display the art of coaching is by not being the meat and potatoes. It's really being the salt. At the, end of, at the end of the conversation, it shouldn't be all about, oh my gosh, Josh is amazing. It should be, oh my gosh, I didn't, I didn't really 
uh, see the flavour that was mm. that could be found within these. And that's what salt does. Is salt is invisible, yet... I mean, I remember I went out to a restaurant with my wife uh, last year, and I did actually have a Wagyu beef, and they brought out a bunch of knives, and I could choose my knife. And at the end of the dish, I'm going, man, that steak was incredible. But if there was no salt, that mm. would have been a really average meal. Okay? And so I guess the way that I see that we be salt is that, firstly, we ask good questions that are relevant to that person. Mm. Um, another one would be that we do deep listening, mm. you know, which um, sometimes it's even repeating back what they've just said to you mm. and, and just really listening and hearing them. And then my third thing would be this, is that for me to be salt, I feel like I need to transcend what Ken Wilber says um, is the separate self. The separate self is the ego that always seeks to elevate itself or separate itself. It's like, I'm more superior to you or I'm not you, right? And so as, as coaches, we, we need to lean in to who this person is. And, uh, and the thing is, is that salt doesn't discriminate against what the food is, you know? It's not being like, ah, I don't really like that capsicum, you know? And uh, that's, you know, so for me, like if I look at my, my strengths, I'm, I'm high in activator. An opposite to that would be something like deliberative. When I first read deliberative, I went red in the face. I'm sorry, Jason. Um, I went red in the face. I was like, these are the people that stopped me. Okay. And, and, and the thing is, is that I had to go on a journey of learning to love and legitimize that strength. And so for me, what I, I encourage myself and all of you is to really do the work to learn to love every single one of these themes um, and yeah to be the salt to, to be to be better salt I love that I, I think that the um, the idea of us as coaches this whole thing not being about ourselves comes through really really strongly in what you're saying and it'd be really easy to talk about the art of coaching and get really caught up in um, my practice and what I'm doing and my questions and all that I am bringing to the mix but you're almost with the metaphor of salt you're almost um, flipping that on its head and you're saying there's legitimate reasons to understand the themes really well and develop really good questions but you're saying that uh, that's not really what people are going to notice in the end what's going to notice is that it's more flavorful and, and that interaction felt great and I feel like that elevated me and, and my perception of self. Totally. Uh, a quick story. Uh, yesterday I was coaching someone who was high in learner and futuristic and he, and he was telling me, I'm about to go and learn how to do environmental planning. Um, and I said, well, okay, cool, tell me about that. Like, why are you wanting to go do that? And he said, it's because I'm really kind of uh, anticipating that, you know, in about 10 years' time, we're going to be starting to do kind of like planning on the moon, and I really want to be part of that. And for me, I was like, I love that I get to be a person that goes, that's awesome, you know? How cool, and have this really com this conversation where he just got to be him, you know? Whereas other people go, you've got your head in the clouds, you know? So that was, I don't know, maybe just... How did you learn to be better at being the salt? Was it um, t lots and lots of time? Was it watching other people, listening to other people? What kinds of things did you do in order to become better at the kind of 
art of coaching that you're describing? I think for me it's probably been, um, if I'm being really honest, um, I, I think I've kind of grown up with a high value for kind of like keeping my status in check, you know, and, I, and I've got to be this person that, you know, that I'm seen as really awesome. And I guess for me it's kind of been learning how to remain powerful as a person, yet at the same time really position myself as being a springboard to other people, you know, and um, using my themes to to really see people um, just, I guess, me be a launch pad rather than people aspiring to be me. You know, I think growing up it's almost like people are selling you on, you know, you need to be a leader and you need to be, you know, a history maker, you know. And the thing is, is that um, I guess for me, I've I've found so much joy in playing that that thing of being so I don't know I don't know if you yeah. pronounced it. Uh, uh, it makes me think of someone say something really sim simple recently where they said if I see the strength in myself then I'm willing to see it in others and I think we see that massive thing play out for lots of us coaches of insecurity where um, the reason someone's not really able to see strengths in someone else is because they they really haven't spent time doing that for themselves and it sounds a little bit like what you're describing that part of your coaching art has to become secure in self enough to dial that right back um, in order to be the salt in the session and not the, the meat of the session yeah cool all right is there anything else or should we jump into some themes anything else top of mind for you no let's jump into themes all right yeah cool this is where we get to uh, hear from our friends here at weave so this is what we've done, all right? These guys know this already. Uh, but in this room, there are five themes that are, are least common in our top five. And we have challenged ourselves by uh, focusing on those themes. And we're going to have a, a, a brief talk about these themes. We're imagining that we are coaching these themes. And the, questions, the question that we had was, how might we as coaches provide the heart of coaching towards this particular theme? And then also, how might we develop our art of coaching that theme? And so some of that might feel quite similar and there might be big crossover between the two, but we're going to dive in. We're going to go theme at a time. And uh, so the five themes that ended up being the least common in this room were analytical, futuristic, significance, competition and context so we're just going to go around the room was that five okay i just make make sure i didn't miss any we're going to make our way around the room we're going to hear from some of our friends here around uh, a response to those particular questions which again was about how do we show the heart of coaching to that particular person dominant in that theme and how can we develop our art so that we're coaching someone in that theme really well cool let's start over here so, Josh, I'll get you to go and talk to our friends over here who had analytical. Awesome. What did you guys discuss? Uh, we talked about um, analytical and we talked about how um, it's really important not to have assumptions for analytical, that it's not cold and, and that kind of stuff, really getting rid of those, um, those assumptions. Yeah. But also discovering it together. So, yeah. if you don't know anything about it, actually looking at it and going, let's discover it. Let's see what it looks like. Let's yeah. let's see what you see mm -hmm. and, and working along with that. Um, and honouring the desire 
to think it through. So honouring the fact that some people just need to take that time, and yeah. that's okay and that's cool, because that's sometimes what a project needs is that time and stuff, and um, just to um, be excited about the analytical and, and be like, wow, cool, that's cool. Yeah, yeah nice. That's good. I almost imagine as analytical pulls back each layer, uh, like you're describing, going with them as they go deeper, as they pull back each layer going like, wow, you know, and, and, and traveling with them on that journey of going deeper and, and, and further in on something. Mm, yeah. We've got another thought around analytical. So we had the art. Um, I had I walked into a coaching session where the first person, uh, the first thing this person said was, "What is all this hooey dooey?" And it just you immediately go, "Oh, okay, here we go." Yeah. And um, I think what I love about that is, you know, that prove it. You know, I want to know what this is all about. Yeah. And so I think the things, some of the things we talked about, um, the one that I popped to mind was knowing the research, some of the research behind the data from Gallup. Yeah. Um, so that when you walk in, you feel equipped to answer some of those questions. Um, so you've got that credibility behind you. Um, we had encourage a third person view. Um, opportunities to measure and review. Yep. Boundaries around some data. And I also really love the cascade tool for this as well. Um, being able to walk into especially team sessions where um, you can use that data to talk about some things, but also within that, bringing life to the data, the humanness behind mm. the data. Um, so it's beautiful to look at and to enjoy, but there's more to the person um, and letting them explain what that looks like to them and helping them to understand others more. Yeah. Yeah. So that was our. Nice. Great work. I think that the, the leaning into the, um, the fact that there might be some real desire to cut through and, and seeing that as, um, as a, a, an incredibly helpful thing that analytical does, especially for a person like myself, lower in analytical, it requires what we were discussing just before, which is for me to be secure in myself and not, not perceive that cut through as um, a threat, uh, but instead see it as an opportunity. Uh, and for those of us high in analytical, to be able to, to roll with them and understand and resonate like, yeah, we're getting to the point here. Uh, thanks. Cool. Any thoughts on analytical before we move on, Josh? No, let's move on. Okay, cool. Let's go to futuristic. So, uh, how might we um, understand this theme best when it comes to heart and art? Um, so we were talking about the heart and, and I think it kind of leads to that positive disposition about it. Um, futuristic is an inspirational um, strength in itself, but it's finding out exactly what the future looks like to that person. So asking how does it look and feel and sound? Um, how do you get use out of it? How do you share it? Actually understanding how it works in that world because sometimes people are misunderstood and some people might be like, termed a dreamer or not present or something else you know how do other people feel about your futuristic because that's when you can start to understand the heart of whether or not it's working for someone or whether it's not and once you start to understand if they love it then you can help them go on that journey um, you know that see the future um, like the Jetsons and pull it into the present um, 
it can look a little bit like ideation and strategic and, and, and even maybe command if you're using it well or if you're using it the way that you want to use it. So it's the ability to shine an amazing light on an amazing future, but being aware that sometimes people don't see the world that way and can't keep up. And so how do you use that heart behind it and how do you really um, embrace it so that you can take people on that journey? Mm, I like that. And I, I like to, when talking with themes, isn't it fun when you get to almost say, yeah, that's, that's not normal to think that way. And maybe people aren't seeing what you're seeing. And, and, and them saying, oh, okay, maybe this is, this is unique. Awesome. Let's hear about the art. Yeah, we were thinking about some of the questions similarly to help differentiate. People's futuristic looks quite different, obviously, just as every theme. So we talked a little bit about the questions to understand their futuristic. Where is the future for you? You know, so giving them that within the timing, is it constantly living within the next three months or the next three years or the next 30 years? Just knowing that there's, it's very different for different people. Uh, the other thing that I think we were, that, that's really important is to give them time to just listen to what they see and picture and can put detail to. So I was thinking of just that, yeah, and, or tell me more. What about, like, just giving that space. Yeah. That's so good. Yeah. Uh, um, the best coaching question someone has asked me around futuristic is, what else can you see? And they asked that question uh, five times in a row, I think, as I was talking about a particular opportunity I had. So I described it, and they said, what else can you see? And I described more, and they said, what else can you see? And that carried on, and it was just a, a little bit like you're saying, around this willingness to keep, keep going and, and moving towards that horizon. So, yeah. Great work. This is going to be one of my favorite episodes, Josh. Yeah. Me too. All right. Let's go to significance and hear from our friends who talked about significance. Okay. Um, so we were the heart. And um, one of the things we were thinking about with significance was that we would really like to uh, make them feel really heard and giving them space to feel significant and important. And so really listening in as best we could as coaches. Um, what has, what's, what's this? Oh yeah, one of our questions was, what has your experience of having significance meant for you? How has it shaped you? Um, and one of our last questions around the heart of significance was, what sort of impact or legacy do you want to leave? Nice. Yeah. I like that. You guys crafted questions. That's awesome. I think that um, uh, the idea of making this time significant uh, and, and making the person feel significant, that's, that's so simple, but so good. Yeah. And I, I think in particular with significance, um, in this New Zealand context, I think that we need to have a real compassion, I think, for people with significance. And, uh, and I, I think that it's really fun to be able to talk about legacy and impact and things like that, where that is such a driving force for them. And to be able to actually have someone that will actually sit with them and allow them to be themselves. So, so cool. Let's hear from the art. Building on that, um, given that we know significance is often one that is challenging for people, even when it's in their top five, the sense that maybe there's something not okay about significance, we've heard that through some of the Gallup uh, materials. 
giving that person some time and affirming their potential feelings around the potential disconnect between the vision that they have and what they see before them before exploring what's right and good and flourishing in that theme for them, kind of meeting them where they're at with that. We also talked about exploring patience and encouraging patience in the journey. Um, the analogy was a maturing cheese. Colby's nice, but there's a depth and um, a flavour intensity that might come giving time for a legacy to grow, for example, and not needing to rush that process. Building on the questions we've already heard, we thought you could ask, how are you investing now in the legacy that's to come? So bringing some immediacy to that big vision. And how do you engage and include others in that? How do you see your team supporting you in building your legacy? And what feedback has been most important to you and why? So great. What great questions. Fantastic. Cool. We've got a couple more themes. Let's go to competition. Hi, we're talking about the heart of competition. Um, we found, we thought strongly that it was a theme of energy and inspiring others, but like other strengths, it does sometimes have judgment and barrier labels to it. So we wanted to talk to about bringing the love for competition um, and renaming it and rephrasing it. So for the person, renaming it and rephrasing around the barriers, uh, naming their dilemma, and what actually is it for them. And to look at it objectively for some people would be helpful and then to personalise it. Very cool. All right, let's hear from the art. So for the art of competition, succinctly, we talked about how does it show up effectively and ineffectively and then finding the platform to encourage competition. So just discovering where are the opportunities to compete in an effective way. Very cool. Awesome, okay, let's move around to context. So uh, context is actually number six for me, uh, and my group asked some really great questions around uh, how, how the art, uh, sorry, the heart of coaching, um, heart of context could be, um, I guess how context could be cared for throughout a coaching session. And um, one of the questions that was raised was, um, was it important, the past, was it, did it feel really present? And, I, and, and the feedback was, yeah, for me, sometimes I'm, those things in the past, those stories are going to feel like I, I need to share that now to give context to my answer, where someone with focus might give a very quick answer someone with context might need to tell a story to give context to their answer, to give the background to their answer. So um, I guess in, the, in answer to the question, how do you share the heart or show the heart, it's by giving the space, it's by listening, it's by giving room, creating permission to maybe give more information, to maybe share more. Yeah. Fantastic. Man, one of the best things that happened in a coaching session with someone high in context for me was I said, ah, oh, it's so cool. You're telling that story as though that person is with you in the room. They were talking about someone who had been before them, you know, an, a, an ancestor, someone from their whakapapa. And I said, you're telling that story as though that person is in the room. And they're like, what do you mean as though? All right? 
And it was like this very real thing of like, we are here now because of that person and, and, and context came to life in that moment as, as they uh, were willing to push back like that. One more thought about context. Um, so we also, for the art, of, the art of coaching for context, we thought similarly about the, I guess, needing that space for the storytelling because some people with context might have come from the experience of not often getting that space to share and getting kind of shut down um, in like their work context maybe and not actually um, being fully able to express that. So I guess um, we'd want to create a space where they can feel that this is the time, like that what they have to share is valid and important and and we want to hear that. And so allowing time for that space of storytelling, um, but also allowing time for framing what the session will look like for them so that they kind of have the context of what where strength is coming from too and um, providing history to the tool so they might so it might help them feel more a part of the process as well. Awesome. Man, just so blown away by uh, all of the perspectives. And for me, this is just such a incredible um, moment to be part of experiencing group intelligence. Yeah. You know? uh, what an example of that. And um, I just really want to totoko everyone's perspectives that have come through. Um, amazing. I've learned so much. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah, that was really cool. And thank you so much for the time you gave to uh, sharing what you had to share with us around the heart and the art. Thank you to everyone for your contribution. Uh, what was um, spoken into the microphone was contributed by groups. So uh, that's us. Uh, trust you have enjoyed listening along to this uh, podcast. And uh, we may have to do this again, I think. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, I loved it. All right. Kaki team.